Hi and welcome to the podcast. You're having tea with Alice. This week's episode is with Tiff Stevenson, returning guest, friend of the podcast, friend of mine. We met up in her house and uh, we did not drink tea because we were in a little bit of a rush. We were headed off to record the Bugle live at the Underbelly on in South Bank, which was a lot of fun. And that will be coming out if you are a Bugle listener in the next week. Come out in the next few days, actually. Um, thank you, everybody who has been... Uh, emailing me at alicerfraser at gmail.com, everybody who's been tweeting me at alliterative, A-L-I-T-E-R-A-T-I-V-E, and particular thanks to my Patreon subscribers and supporters. Um, It's incredible. I've had some really fascinating conversations with the people at the $25 level. If you are at the $25 level and want to have a chat, email me, alicerfraser at gmail.com, and we'll organise to talk like human beings, Um, you know, depending on time zones and availabilities and all of that kind of thing. It's been really wonderful. Um, it's, I, I was very nervous about doing it, and it has turned out very well. All of the conversations I've had have been really, really interesting and with really lovely people. So, whew, thank goodness for that. Uh, listen to the conversation with Tiff Stevenson. We talked about the Norway Peace Forum, the Oslo Peace Forum, we talked about a peace forum and we talked about Dr. Jordan Peterson. We talked about uh, consent, social consent. We talked about offending both sides of politics. It's a really interesting chat, as it always is with Tiff. I hope you enjoy listening to it. If you're in London, I have gigs, previews coming up on the uh, 10th, 11th and 12th, as well as the 8th, I think. I'm doing the trilogy on the 1st of July. If you want to find out those gigs, just follow me on Twitter at alliterative. A-L-I-T-E-R-A-T-I-V-E. It's where I tend to put up my, my gigs. And there are also some up on my website, alicefraser.com. Feel free to follow me on Patreon or my website or Twitter or Facebook. I don't really update Facebook. Um, but just say hi. It'd be nice. I always like hearing from you. I've met a few people in audiences recently and it always makes me so happy. Really, really, really happy. I, I think that's all. Uh, come to the trilogy on the 1st of July. I will also be going back to Australia for a week at the end of this month, which, when I say that, feels like a terrible, terrible, terrible thing to do. Um, But given that my jet lag is just about completed, to be leaving in another two weeks is mind-blowingly stupid. But I do have, have a corporate gig that is worth the travel, and I also want to do a little bit more work on the ABC podcast recording of the trilogy, which will be coming out in a month or so. I just want to finish that off and get that done and not do it remotely. Uh, so I took the opportunity when this corporate gig arose to sign, mail, sign myself up for a truckload of jet lag. Um, I am at this point now definitely blithering. Uh, come to my live gigs if you're in the UK. If you're not... Um, hello anyway you're still valuable human beings i might see you in australia or in the world or on the internet i will definitely talk to you again next week you're having tea with alice so who are you and what are you drinking I'm Tiff Stevenson, and I'm not drinking anything. I didn't offer you a drink when you came into the house, did That's I? That's all right. We are in the midst of bugle prep. Yeah, so we don't have a huge amount of time. Plus, I've just put my Invisalign back in, my Invisalign teeth. So I can't really have hot drinks without taking them all out again. It's a bit of a faff. Explain Invisalign to me. It's uh, braces, but they're invisible. Well, it, it aligns your teeth <laughs> invisibly, not totally invisibly. Uh, they're like clear, kind of like shields. If you have you ever had a night guard for grinding or anything like that? No, but I have seen rugby mouth guards. They're nowhere as bulky as that. <laughs> so somewhere, but so they're, they're more. There's more finesse to them. They they go over your teeth. You do, unless I say to someone that I have them in, they can't really tell I have them in. Uh, it might affect my speech a little bit. You can hear a little bit of a lisp. Yeah, yeah. But not majorly. surely. There's a market for sort of um, orthodontic grills. Oh, what just to get that sound? Well, no, just to you know, because grills is a thing. It's a fashion yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just to have them be also orthodontic. 
Yeah, I could. I could have maybe just gone for a version that was like neon or something. Yeah, like full gold, diamonds, the whole, your name across your teeth. I've gone about this the wrong way. Yeah. I've tried to hide that I'm having orthodontic work. Well, I mean, when it, now it's about celebrating. braces at one point, didn't he? He had, he's had a lot of dental work done. When he was in, um, is it The Outsiders? Stay Cool Pony Boy, wasn't oh, he Oh, yes, that? yes. Uh, so when he was in that, his teeth were... He was unrecognisable. His teeth are brown, twisted, missing. Really? Yeah. Yeah. He just doesn't even look like Tom Cruise. Um, And then I think he went away and obviously had like, you know, veneers or whatever put over them or had them fixed. And then recently again, he had braces. Because the thing is, once you get to a certain age, they just, they start moving anyway. So even if you've had orthodontic work as a teenager, which I refuse because I didn't want to be uncool and not to have three men that I've never, ever thought, three or four men that I've probably never thought about since I was 16 find me unattractive (laughs) for like five (laughs) minutes. So I was like, I can't, I can't do it. Um, So at 14, they said have two lots of um, of train tracks, top and bottom. And I, I just said no. And my parents couldn't be bothered to fight me on it and to be honest my teeth weren't particularly crooked but as I'd got older my front tooth my my front tooth crossed over and had a bit of a snaggle tooth in a way that would be endearing when you're in your 20s but as you get older you're like nope nope (laughs) I you know all the other stuff is going to happen anyway my skin's going to get more wrinklier and crinklier and everything's going to age and I'm dealing with that but I just the bits that can look right I want them to look right yeah Fair enough. I uh, was talking to a friend of mine, Amos Gill, who's moving to LA, and uh, he's about twelve. Yes, he's about know twelve. Amos. Yes, he's lovely. He's he's got he's a, so nice. He's got a new girlfriend who's an Instagram model, and he sort of started going, you know, going to the gym much more and like working on his fitness so he can match his beautiful uh, girlfriend and move to LA because he was told he went to LA and they said in LA in America on American TV to play ugly you still need to have perfect teeth yes yeah and he wouldn't be playing ugly I mean I was in in America they would look at my teeth and kind of go they're adorable and what they mean by adorable is ugly (laughs) so here I think less of a problem although people have commented on my teeth before that wasn't what prompted me to do this I've been thinking about doing it for about four or five years and this year I just decided to finally get into gear doing some stuff can you hear that next door, whatever that is. I don't know. Someone's drilling something. Okay. Yeah. Out in it's the garden. Right. You it's won't fine. be able to hear bit it of, on here. Bit of ambiance. Yeah. Um, um, and this is a very exciting pod all about my teeth. But uh, the, the, the <laughs> I mean, you are technically physically wrestling with your teeth. So it yeah. sort of fits with yeah. um, so it. Yeah. So, so I can understand him wanting to do that. Although Amos is kind of like such a young, good looking guy. It's sort of mad that he would already be in a frenzy over it being him looking right but it is a different level of kind of beauty standard to which you're judged you know which is why someone like Amy Schumer you know who I think looks great is like come on my arms out here are the size of you know legs (laughs) of people in LA yeah like you know so that it's just it's just a whole other level against which you're you're judged and I found that when I was there as well you know so what have you been wrestling with other than your teeth wrestling with my teeth what have I been wrestling over oh I wrote a I wrote a piece for the Guardian I can't remember if I've told you about this but I was in I was in Oslo I was in Norway for the Freedom Forum and we were in the hotel bar in the evening and I was chatting to these two women who were like filmmakers and we were talking about the day that we'd spent at the event. So it's, it's full of like sort of freedom fighters and um, artists and activists and NGOs. And I think even out of all of those people, we know the real hero is me <laughs> um, for attempting to do stand up at those people. So we'd had a full day at the forum and we were kind of discussing the events and then sat next to us along the next table were two guys. One was kind of like a gammon face to how I originally described him. And then my, <laughs> my, my uh, now fiance said to me, take that out of the article. Cause you're just, you're just, you know, the kind of man that's already going to hate this. And I kind of wish I'd left it in because that's exactly what he was. He was gammon face or as I used to call it, you know, ham, like boiled ham colored. So him and a French guy was sat there and sort of in the middle of our discussion, he went, 
what are you guys talking about? What is this thing then? I'm seeing everyone wearing these badges. And instantly I know that that's an attempt at an in to our conversation, right? It's three women sat in a hotel bar. Yeah, there's a way of asking... You know, I've done that before where I see a bunch of people wearing lanyards and you sort of duck up and you go, oh, what's all this then? Yeah. And they'll go, oh, it's the thing. And you go, oh, cool, thanks. And then you scuttle off. Like there is a way of asking where you're not demanding to be included. Yeah, well, this, my years of experience mm -hmm. as a woman existing in the world knows exactly this type of man. That kind of boorish kind of English man that I... I'm so embarrassed by when you're abroad. You're like, that doesn't represent me. Sorry, no, thanks. Anyway, so he says that and we sort of reply because he's asked a question. So we say, oh, look, it's this festival full of activists and um, NGOs and people doing talks. It's kind of like, uh, like you know, like TED Talks, but it very specifically about activism and et cetera, et cetera. And he goes, oh, that's why I couldn't get a room here tonight. And then his friend was like, you could not get a room in the hotel tonight. And I was like, okay, I don't care. I'm not booking.com. You know, I'm like, what is this? Is this, are you hoping that one of us is going to offer our room? And we were like, yeah, okay. So we're just in the middle of a work chat. So you think that's where that would end. Normally mm. that's where that exchange would end, right? Yeah. No, his friend takes that as an invitation to come over. When I say, sorry, we're in the middle of the work chat. And he's like, what is this? Explain it to me. I don't understand what it is, this festival. And then one of the other women who I'm with, who's being very, very polite, right? She goes, oh, you know, it's a freedom festival. The same thing. And I'm like, it's what we just said it is. But she gives more detail. And then I say, look, there's some, for example, there's a rapper from Sudan who, uh, who was a former child soldier and there's a Belarus theatre company, and that's what it's about. There's information, there's uh, uh, brochures or guides, you can, you can go and have a look. And then again, for the second time, I go, sorry, we're just in the middle of a work chat. And he goes, no, 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 you have to explain to me what it is. And then so I'm like, oh, no, this is now you're just demanding our time and energy. And he was like, because I, I lived in Sudan for a little while and, um, and in one of my many residences, I have one in London and Paris. So now it's just a man telling us how rich he is. You mm -hmm. know, he's like, I had a picture by this Sudanese painter and underneath it said freedom. What do you think that meant? What do you think that means to the people of Sudan? And I was like, I'm not interested in having a political debate with you. We're in the middle. We're enjoying our conversation. So thanks. Thanks, but no thanks. Thanks, but no thanks. And then he signals to his friend, like, I'll oh, come over. And he's like, what's everyone drinking? What do you want to drink? And it's like, no, 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 we don't want drinks. Don't bring your drinks over <laughs> here. Like, no invite has happened. And then one of the other women says, look, if you're so keen to know, the, the guy who runs the festival is out on the balcony. So, you know, just go out and ask him. Thor is name. Go, go and ask him. He'll tell you all about it. But he doesn't, he doesn't want to go and meet Thor. He doesn't want to go and meet a man. He just wants to harass us so then eventually we just have to go right well we'll call it a night then and we get up and leave because he refuses to yeah i've had that experience before and it's a it's an odd thing it's a very subtle uh, thing because the moment you refuse there becomes their stakes for them for their ego so in the this was in melbourne i was with a couple of friends we were just standing on the street after the shows we'd all bumped into each other going home from our shows and we were stopping and having a bit of a chat and this guy came in and he was drunk and he sort of hit on one of the one of the women who was there and she, he said give me a hug and and she said don't touch me um, which is not necessarily how I would have played it because I'm quite conciliatory. To a fault, I'm, I'm conciliatory and she's not. Yeah. But she was completely entitled and justified to, to say, say don't touch me. No me tocas. Yes. But the, <laughs> and it was this interesting thing because the moment she said that, he had to prove that he was harmless. And the way that he proved that he was harmless was by sticking around and being like, I'm just a, I'm just a cool guy. I'm just having, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I didn't mean to, he was trying to justify himself and, and make it better in a way. But the, the thing that he needed to do to prove to himself that he wasn't threatening us was get a hug from one of us. Yeah. That was the thing because he, he realised that he'd overstepped the line because her reaction was so abrupt. Yeah. Don't touch it. And, and then he'd kind of, needed to get the hug anyway to prove that he was harmless to us, which meant that after a while, we just left. Yeah, rather than... And, and at that point, what he should have done, you know, it was say, sorry. Yeah. Actually, yeah, sorry. But it uh, is that thing where men... 
no, people, people in general don't like to feel like they are in the wrong. Yeah. And so in the best well, in of all that, possible yeah. worlds, he goes, yeah, I was wrong and walks down the street feeling a bit of sh- ashamed of himself. Yeah, in a Panglossian best of all possible worlds. Yes. <laughs> That's what he would have done. And it was really interesting because the stakes were, and it was all unwritten, but if one of us had just given him a hug, he would have left. Yeah. And at that point, it was it would have been easier for us to give him what he wanted and get on with our night. Yeah. And that's a weird thing because he's put us in that position. Well, that's the, again the thing of like women having to adapt their behaviour to accommodate for the needs of men. And I refuse to believe that that needs to be the case. So that's the first part of the story. And there's your story. There's two examples. I put the story up on Twitter. I get a bunch of women. One woman who says to me... Um, Oh, I was out in a bar and um, a guy came to ch- talk to me and I said, I'm married. And like I said, sorry, I'm, in, I, I'm, I'm actually meeting a friend. And he was like, oh, well, I'll talk to you. And she was like, actually, I'm married. And he was like, well, why did you come out then if you don't want men to talk to you? Like the mm-hmm. temerity of the woman <laughs> to leave the house without wanting to sexually engage with a man. So there was another example of a night which then kind of like brought in like three comedians. It was myself, Roisin Connolly and Jen Kirkman. And I think we'd been to see, I think Jen does stand up about this now, but we'd been to see Jen's show in Soho and we'd gone out for drinks afterwards. And we ended up in the arts theater bar, which is just across the road from there. And we're having a great night. The three of us just drinking cocktails, buying drinks. And a guy comes over and offers to buy us drinks and we say no, because guess what? We can afford our own. And I know that you're like, you, it's a kind of a bit of a contract, isn't it? If someone offers you a drink and you they're accept a drink, attention. they're trying to buy attention and time, right? Yeah. So we say no. Then they're at the bar and it's sort of the end of the night and they're still trying. And we're sort of like, yeah, we kind of made it clear we don't want to talk to you. And Jen's like, not interested, buddy. <laughs> she gets <laughs> really American about it. Like, and we've, but we've done, and that night we tried every kind of like, hey, listen, we're just friends having a chat, so we don't really want to bring you in through to, um, no, thank you. Like, look, just, a, we tried to be funny, we tried, look, all of the ways. Yeah. And they still wouldn't get it. Then when we left, they were like sort of hanging on, and then we weirdly got thrown out of the bar because they decided that Jen had been rude to this guy. Then we go across to Bar Italia, where they follow us and harass us there. And then one of the guys starts saying, you're just really rude women. And that's the problem with women. These, uh, my girlfriend died in the bath. Like, that's what he kept saying. And then I tweeted about that. And someone replied going, I've met that guy in the arts bar. So that's his line. Oh, to dear. Do, yeah, which is kind of incredibly sinister. But he was very, very posh and well-spoken. So it got into this whole thing. And so he said, my wife died in the bath. And Jen went, <laughs> I, I can't remember if she said, I don't give a fuck or something. You probably made her do it. Something along those lines. Oh, or, I don't care. I don't care about your fucking girlfriend in the bath, right? You know, which again, she's within her rights to do. Like, why is this information? She, they're harassing us. And then the police get called in. And they immediately take the side of the very well-spoken posh man who's in the arts theatre bar. Ugh. And so that was sort of how the night went. I was like, God, we like we nearly got arrested for just being women existing in the world on that night. Which is a really interesting thing because, I mean, it makes a problem for other men because then we can't be approached in the street without seeing men as a potential threat. You know, I was I was coming home um, in Australia from a thing and there were two, it was an apartment block and there were two men waiting outside the apartment block and as I went to go in, they said, oh, we're working inside there, can we come in with you through the security door? And, I mean, that's a, what do I, what am I supposed to do to that? Like, what is yeah. my response to that? Yeah. I, I can't trust that and... I, so I ended up sort of weirdly going, can I see evidence? <laughs> yeah. But yeah. really apologetically, like really, I was like, I'm I'm sorry, like I don't, it's not a very safe area and I just... You I know, don't know you. I don't know you and I just don't, like I don't want to be that weird person who's terrified of two strange men who are demanding to come into my house. But, you know, like it was, I felt so apologetic for putting them in a position where... 
they felt like they were perceived mm. as threats. Yeah. Because it's not a nice feeling to be perceived no, as a threat. No, it's not. No, it's not. And, you know, if that happens consistently all the time to you, you would go, oh, I feel like I'm being prejudiced or judged against. Yes. But equally, you do have these situations where... I mean, I think the, the, the thing is, the reality of, of human beings is that we are more geared towards preventing a bad thing from happening than assuming a good thing will happen. Yeah. Because in the end, if you think you see a tiger and you run away and it turns out that it's just a, a cat that you thought was closer than it was, yeah. um, then you're fine. But yeah. if you see a tiger and assume it's a cat, you are in trouble. Yeah. Well, here's the here's the thing as well. I think the bottom line of it always is is that men are physically more imposing. Yeah. And that is always a consistent thing in these situations. And some people have kind of gone, you should have just said, no, I want you to leave or threatened to call the police. And you're like, in that situation, A, I felt like that would be such an over-the-top response for what was happening. Although technically, I suppose, when someone consistently harasses you and won't leave, what other options do you have apart from you leave rather than getting police involved but also you don't want to inflame the situation like on that night with Jen and Roshi it was inflamed and it didn't nothing helped yeah <laughs> like none of it helped so so in my article what I proposed was and I know because I know you saw this and this is something I want to talk about because I find this very interesting was I gave like now obviously titles for articles can be slightly misleading because it's like men take heed from Victorian women so I'd written this piece uh, about what happened in Oslo and what happened between me and Roisin and Jen. And I'd said, like, m the point of the piece was, I think consent begins socially. That's what I learned from that experience in Oslo and all of my other experiences. If a man can't take social signals, what kind of chance do they have in the bedroom? Yeah. Right? If consent begins socially. So I was saying, maybe we can learn something from these two, like, pieces of Victorian etiquette. And I give two very specific examples. And you have to so willfully misinterpret the piece mm. to get that, that I'm not going, let's return to Victorian values, which is all anyone who, who decided they wanted to see it that way would see, quote tweeting it going, this is what feminists, uh, they tell us what they ultimately want. You know, they're saying chivalry's dead. Now they're saying they want chivalry. Didn't say that. Or, um, you know, this woman, uh, someone described it as truly idiotic. Um, uh, a female historian. So you got backlash from both sides. I got backlash politics. from both sides. I created an incel database on one side and then <laughs> someone calling it truly idiotic on the other side. I should say not calling me truly idi idiotic, but willfully misinterpreting it. I think you replied to one of those people. Like, yes. And then I got added in it and I was like, don't at me. This is like, you, you know, number one, the photo was of Mark Darcy in Pride and Prejudice. Was it Pride and Prejudice? Uh, Mark Mr. Darcy, Darcy, Mr. Yes. Darcy. Mark Darcy's Bridget Jones. Well, yeah. There we go. Already showing my, my, my ignorance, my truly idiotic nature. So, um, Mr. Darcy, I mean, he was called Mark Darcy because was, there was that, that whole in-joke, wasn't there? Things so anyway, so it's a picture. William, maybe? In the... It was a picture of, of two Georgian men rather uh, than Victorian, okay. firstly. But, I, mean, of uh, course, I didn't I didn't pick, pick that picture, picture so you need to be an idiot you need to be truly idiotic to think that I selected the picture that went with the article in the Guardian um, I don't know have. if the amount of IR was there because they presumed that the Guardian had gone out on spec and looked for a bunch of people to write about Victorian etiquette <laughs> and it wasn't them and it was me as opposed to me pitching a piece about consent where I bring in these two examples. So the examples I give in the article are two very, very specific examples. Now, they may not exist or there may be historians kind of going, well, these weren't real. But the main thing that people got annoyed about was this nostalgia for old times. It was terrible. It was terrible for women back then. And it was only middle-class women. So you can't say, you know, we should return to Victorian times. And I was like, I never said that. And also... No, you're using the cultural reference, which people understand. Two, two things of like, in Victorian... So the example I gave was that I'd read that in Victorian England, it, a gentleman, if he saw a woman that he knew, he couldn't approach her until she... Like, she decided if there was to be an engagement, so she would put her hand, shake his hand, then he would walk with her. And that's how the interaction began with the woman initiating it, right? Yes, I think I've I've 
um, done something similar on my maybe on my Patreon blog talking about how you needed a mutual acquaintance to introduce you at various points in history you couldn't be approached by a stranger yeah. you needed a mutual and never at any point in my piece do I say all women would have been treated this way mm-hmm. across all class spectrums and like oh what an idiot you know like working class woman I was like I am a working class woman I don't, there's there's no point that I think it would have been fair society for me. I wouldn't be doing stand-up. I'd be stood outside a pub selling boxes and matches to feed my pet mouse. Like, I'm not, <laughs> I am well aware. But I was like, the willful ignorance of you to say, so I gave that as an example and said, look, what I'm, what I'm taking from this is, you know, maybe let the woman approach first. Not a hard and fast rule, but can we learn something from that piece of etiquette? Whether it existed or didn't exist, is it a good idea? Yes. Can we have, for example, a clear signal uh, that a woman is willing to be approached? Other reference points might be uh, there's a sort of a flower language in some um, Pacific Island communities where you, if you're available and willing to be approached, you'll put a flower behind a particular ear. Yeah, right, right. So these are just little signals. Yeah, that's which is really nice. So, um, and the other one was if a gentleman was coming to call at a house... (laughs) He would bring his hat and his riding crop to let you know his intention wasn't to stay for very long. And I was like, obviously, that's not going to happen now because it would be some kind of weird cosplay if it did. Imagine there's funnies in it because I'm a comedian. And I was like, but I think what I can infer from that is how I would put that in modern context would be to say, if you come over to to a table full of people, don't take your coat off and start ordering drinks before they've asked if you want to stay. Or if you ask and the sentence begins with actually, then take the hint. So, this you know, I was, fr- I was frustrated because I was like, it's a really good piece, actually. It's a really good piece about consent and the idea of consent beginning socially. But the idea that I'm saying by even mentioning Victorian England and drawing those parallels that I'm somehow saying I'm nostalgic for a time that doesn't happen and i don't say all women would have this maybe the maybe maybe another touchstone or analogy would be uh dogging or you know that that kind of yeah i can't remember i heard about flash your lights if you flash your lights yeah if you flash your lights or wasn't there a language of bandanas in some like sex that's gangs 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 in america was bandanas was was it bandanas but there's also cult in the lgbt yeah 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 what what you were up for and what you were available for and what you were open to yes yeah 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 i mean again these are just all they're all reference points which you could sort of point to to open your point which is i mean we have to operate in a world where we assume people are not interested in us Yes. Like you just have to assume that somebody isn't doesn't just care about ongoing... you or your life or your girlfriend in the bath or like it's terrible. It's very sad that we don't care about strangers, but we don't. And of course we can't police these things. We can't put legislation in place. We can put legislation in place for harassment and assault and rape and all these other things. We can't legislate human interaction. But that's why it's more important than ever that people have these conversations or that, you know, boys growing up into men now understand that, you know, that there is a, there is a process or that you have to ask to be in the, like to insert yourself into the evening to someone else's evening. Yes. That, and in, that, is, that insertion know, requires consent. consent. <laughs> yeah. 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 Insertion requires, but that is about, that is about consent. It's also about decency it's just about people kind of going, you know, and, and I don't know, I don't know how we overcome this kind of, it, it, it frustrated me because I was like, it's a pure like demand for attention and to be part of our evening. And, I, and, and I've spoken about this in my stand-up of where I say kind of, you know, where they say you can't even compliment a woman anymore. And like, no one's trying to stop that. So if you read that article and go, you can't do anything right. You go, no, no, no. Of course, you could have come over and paid a compliment, but we made it clear that we didn't want him there. Yes. So you pay your compliment. Thanks. That's nice. Or I owe you nothing. As I say, my bit, you know, and then you leave. But it's it's the the context, uh, not context, subtext. The compliment always comes with subtext. Yes. And the subtext is to get laid. Yeah, you can you can offer whatever you want, but there's no requirement for someone to buy what you are offering. I think I've done it in the past where someone's asked for my number and I'll say, well, you give me your number as a way of diffusing the situation. Um, you give me your number, and then... Yes, yeah. And they're like, they're like, will you call me? I'm like, well, I don't know. 
but I'm not going to give you my number. So you can yeah. give me the opportunity to call me, to call you, or you can Just you can go away. away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a nice. That's another nice way of doing it. But again, but I feel sometimes I feel guilty about that kind of level of of being so careful about other people's feelings. It is my. It's one of the things that I'm good at, and it's one of my skills. But it's also one of my flaws. How, how do we make men this this idea of hyper toxic masculinity, or how do we make men less afraid of rejection? How do we make people? less afraid of rejection without tipping it the other way where you get prizes just for participating which is the other extreme in schools but how do we make them know that just because you offer a thing it doesn't mean it's going to be accepted by the other person maybe they should all have careers in acting or stand-up for a little while because then they'll know about rejection rejection you, you have get, to, get to take it less personally but i think it's when you're growing up you know you'll know that's the whole thing about incels isn't it of going involuntary celibate the upsetting part of that is is the word involuntary as if like well it's not my fault i'm trying to get laid but these bitches aren't into it yeah there's this big scandal at the moment about jordan peterson having said that he thought that there would be less violence in society if monogamy were more socially enforced if people you know, got into relationships and sort of, again, not regulation, but that there was more pressure on people to stay in monogamous relationships. I I like some of the things Jordan Peterson says and some of the other things he says I desperately disagree with. This one, I think, is troubling because two things. I don't think he's entirely incorrect. I think a lot of trouble is caused by young men who can't get laid, whether it's for religious reasons yeah. or for social reasons. I think there is a, a rage and an aggression and a testosterone. There was a lot of sperm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just waiting Just to... pent up. And if it can't <laughs> yeah. come out in, in, in a woman it, or, or a man, it will come out in punching. And that's something that men have to struggle with on their own or as a society or as a group. That's a real you know, urge or drive or something that they have to deal with and we have to deal with our own urges and drives. Um, but I think he's correct on one on one side and on the other side he is either deliberately or stupidly erasing the fact that there might be less social violence, um, might be less random street violence, but there is no guarantee that enforced monogamy wouldn't have exactly the same amount of violence, but it would be domestic violence. It would just be aimed at one woman. It, yeah, that, that it would with. be within in, inside the, the house. And, and I think people really don't think of that as even just, even just calling it domestic violence makes it seem less yeah. than it is. Violence, it's violence. It's violence and it's, it's not... Inside violence as opposed to outside on the street violence. Yeah, and it's almost... No, it is worse. It is worse to be hurt by someone you love. It's worse to be physically damaged by someone you trust than it is to be punched in the face by a stranger on the street. Yeah. Like, it absolutely is. It's a, more, well, again, it's a worse crime to, to punch a woman you love again, than a strange woman a, on the street. It really is. There's a right in there, isn't there, though, of kind of going, well, every man should just be given a woman, as if men have the God-given right. Yeah, I don't think that's what right to, Peterson was saying, but it is what these uh, these groups are saying online. Well, isn't, wasn't he saying that we should have, not forced, but like kind of like... Socially every, pressured, I think, was the... Allocated. I mean, like, you know, like, what's socially pressured? What's allocated? Was it, you've had too many women, so you've got to share out with this guy over here, who and she doesn't want to sleep with him, so it's like the handmaid's tale. I mean, what the fuck is this? Yes. Like, how... I don't think and, that's quite what he's saying. I think that's yeah. what he's being characterised as saying right. by oh, the okay. angry I need left. to read the piece because I, I feel like I feel like he has some interesting ideas and then I feel like it slides off into uh, stuff that he hasn't thought through. Like I, I suppose I could take or leave some of it, um, but I do think we have to acknowledge that, you know, on the bits that people really, like, latch onto, that they're not even his ideas, you know, they're Amran's. Well, I think where, <laughs> I th like I think where he's saying sensible things and where he succeeds in gathering people to him is that he's quite, on certain topic, his topics, he's quite careful about what he says. There was that big clip where he was being aggressively interviewed by... Kathy uh, Newman. But, but yeah, who was kind of doing this gotcha journalism and very emotive language and not addressing so you're his saying actual... That, so you're so saying, you're saying this, and he would so say... You're saying, and also all of her rhetoric devices, I think he was wise to and yes. just didn't fall into the trap of I mean, anything. he's an intelligent, educated man. He's got yeah. an academic background. He knows how to have an argument. And he was saying, no, that is not what I said. That is not what I meant. This is exactly what I said and what I 
meant. And that kind of interchange makes him look very, very good. Yes. And to the people who want a stern father figure in their life to tell them what's right and wrong, that's incredibly appealing, somebody who's thoughtful and seems to have a moral compass. On the other hand, he does these huge generalisations and quite lazy thinking on other topics. I saw his interview with Tom Ballard and it was interesting because Tom was like, uh, I, I want to I be a better a man. Should I sit up straight? Should I do... He kind of like took that. Because it's interesting because it's kind of like, it's a mix of like pop, like kind of... Self-help uh, stuff. Self-help slash men's magazine like if it the 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 woman's version i think if there was a woman who did this version i don't think she would be held up as an intellectual i think, um, I think helen lewis made that point in the new statesman she said um is it the new statesman i she think the person yeah, I think who it did it was, she was oprah oh really right she was like if you were if you were <laughs> she's like get get your shit together basically which is what his kind of main catch cry is yes of, of there are these problems in society and i think oprah is actually a, he a heavyweight intellectual and yeah. i think she's brilliant but she wouldn't be viewed in that same way would she as like the intellectual dark web or whatever it is that they that he's part of no that's what they the the so but also i think oprah's is probably more for thought through <laughs> but like so it would be more like a like a magazine you know like if it was a, a woman it would be and that was the point helen lewis made it would kind of be like someone who writes for like a chick chicks like, no, i was gonna say chick lit but or like but like you know like women's magazines but like old style ones with bits of a, a dash of horoscope thrown in with a bit of lifestyle advice with a bit of like how to get your summer vagina if we if we will talk about the Teen Vogue thing in a minute but you know like a, a little bit of that mixed in with a, a little bit of like pop philosophy and and you know and then you've got this thing which you know for them if a if their mum was telling them to tidy their rooms yeah <laughs> they wouldn't be having it for a second but here's this guy that is kind of and I guess it's because he's telling them that they're important and they're like no one tells us we're important well, apart from all of history <laughs> no no i think it's <laughs> but you know it, it, it's it's more nuanced than that he's telling them that they can take personal responsibility that's his big thing is like personal responsibility and individual responsibility and he got famous for talking about um i can't remember what it was section c something of the canadian law passed this law was it for self-identification yes it was a, it was a bad law right. and he had a good point about it which was that Employers were to be held liable for the actions of their employees in causing offence. And th that's fine. But the offence was defined as um, intentionally or unintentionally. Oh, okay. Right. No, I thought it was something totally different. Maybe it was because of the interview with Kathy Newman. Well, I thought it was about into, the self-identification. Yeah, so what, right. what it slid into was that, was the idea that if somebody identifies as male, female, non-binary, and they don't present obviously as that or they do or you know yeah. if you are a an employee of big w kmart whatever and you walk up to someone and go excuse me ma'am uh we're closing in five minutes and you're wrong it's not a ma'am it's a sir or it's a z or a non-binary yeah. person they and they take offense at that misgendering or misnomer and and Either they are just a masculine-looking woman who gets in, you call them sir, and they turn around and you go, oh, sorry, ma'am. Whatever. Any of those situations would fall under that law. Right. And the employer could be sued. Right. So, so that's such a big umbrella of, like, intentionally or unintentionally as well is where the... Is the, where the terrible thing, the problem lies. And, and it was, it's one of those laws that is not a good law because how could it possibly be enforced... And it could be misused, it could be maliciously deployed, anyone can be offended by anything. Like, you can't really regulate offence. Well, in the same way that you can't regulate, you know, attraction or people approaching each other in a... You know, yeah. these are the, the kind of, like, human interactions that we're sort of, you know... Yeah, that are, that it's, are really It's like if someone now. says to me, Mrs, and I go, oh, I'm not married, and actually I'm young... Don't call me an old lady name. Yes. I don't want to be called an old lady name. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because in my head, I'm not an old lady. Or you you're, a you're a young looking woman and someone IDs you and you're offended by that. All of those yeah, things. Yeah. These are, you know, these can be hurtful things. Or someone goes, oh, maybe you want to go into the larger section. They can. But what you can't do is legislate for going into another person's head and 
seeing them seeing what they see well because a, people see what they see a large part of human rage and despair and anger is often just that you haven't had a good night's sleep and a sandwich you know yeah. like it it really is you can be offended on one day by something that you would not be in six hours from now when you've had a nap so the the, the bits that i saw of him uh so i, I so that's how i mean that's how yeah, he got famous that's how he got famous so the interview i watched with him with tom um Tom sort of said women haven't had a great time throughout history and then his response was just war. Yes. Right? And then and then he said, which I I agree with this part. He said, look, equity of opportunity, any right-minded person should be for that. Yes. And I agree with that. He was like, it's when it's equity of outcome that we have a problem. But then I think he mentioned like meritocracy as well. And this is where it all falls apart in like the assumption of what meritocracy is it's the assumption that you think if you put more women in the boardroom that they're not going to be good or you put more women on tv they're not going to be as good as the men and you go no 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 it has to be true meritocracy cannot exist without you know equal opportunity visibility and platform like giving yes. people the spaces to get in and prove well, themselves. the idea of meritocracy sort of starts to get muddied when you only get better at doing a thing by doing it yeah so for example with women on panel shows often what will happen is a woman is given a shot and she's put on a panel with regulars yeah and she doesn't shine because it's her first time there yeah and then you go well she's not good enough for it you don't yeah. get good i mean this is my big thing you don't get good at anything until you, you're never good enough for anything until you've, until you've done goes. it three times yeah yeah you know, you, you're never you, you just and then so this idea of meritocracy also falls under a problem when you think about the fact that systems are designed or they evolve to reward particular kinds of behaviours. Yeah. So uh, the corporation, the structure of the corporation, the vertical structure of most corporations, modern corporations are mixing that up a little bit, that vertical CEO blah, blah, all the way down came out of the armies. The idea of the army was that hierarchical structure. Cool. Yeah. And so the, that structure rewards aggression. It, re, it rewards this cutthroat nature. And so then business success is defined by this cutthroat masculine well, energy. Yeah. Which is not to say that it is the best way to run a company. It's the best way it's to run the companies <laughs> that have been yeah. run in this way by this kind of person. So that's, that's the thing as well. When you get to equity of opportunity, it's very difficult when you go oh, there's no female CEOs or there's one in the boardroom. And we get to this, because women are paid less than men, we get to this situation where they'll have to take time off maternity leave. Mm. And if one person is going to take time off maternity leave, you can't afford. There's this like kind of chain, like um, what, what's the, um, it's not a, um, it's not butterfly effect, but you know, it's, it's almost like a direct, I don't know what the opposite of that is. Anyway, where it, it's not a series of random sequences that kick off another. But, it, you know, if yeah. someone's going to give up their job, whoever's got the highest paying job is going to go back to work. Yes. And if women are across the board earning less than men, then it's going to be the man that goes back to work. Well, and that's entirely discounting biological factors, yeah. which can't is really be discounted. <laughs> but then it's our, our definition of success. Why is not our definition of success how many sane children you have that reach the age of 20 without being a maniac? Like, yeah. Well, I think there was a woman on and Question Time last week And I don't mean to shame people with mental illness there, we, but you we, know what I mean. Yeah, we don't value parenting or we don't value raising children in the same way. Yeah, why, why not corporate. instead of having a baby bonus, have a bonus that you get when your child reaches majority and is a productive member of society? Yeah. And for every 10 years of good work they do in the world, you get another $1,000. <laughs> you know, like, why, why is that? Why don't we value that? Yeah, we, d we don't value that and we don't... And that's where... Or we say it's priceless... But if you don't, in a capitalist system, if you don't put a value put a on something, on priceless it, is worthless. Priceless is, yeah, that's a, a really good way of putting it. Priceless is worthless. And I think he's anti-labels as well. And weirdly, I think the amount of labeling people are doing at the moment kind of tips us into pure capitalism because we're essentially making ourselves products. We yeah. feel the need <laughs> to like attach all these things to to say who we are and that there's there's someone that was there's someone that's following me on twitter that has about 20 different labels on there you know and i'm like you're just missing do you like cheese you know and i'm like i i recognize it because i'm you know i'm these things as well you know i am pro-trump anti-immigration i am 
I'm not pro-Trump either. <laughs> the other way around. <laughs> the real truth of who I am slipped out there. No, I am like, you know, um, pro-immigration, anti-Trump, you know, I'm female. I am, you know, someone who suffers from from depressive thoughts. I am... Invisalign wearing. Invisalign wearing. Yeah, like I don't want to, you know, but uh, like there's only so much you can... And I see that more frequently now across Facebook and Twitter that everyone has like a bunch of labels and I just sort of think it doesn't it doesn't serve us I think we should all treat equally and be able to acknowledge our differences but when all it does all the labeling does is serve to put us into a sort of bit of a bubble I think where you can't see outside or think outside or talk outside the three groups of people so I think that's the slightly scary thing about totally dismissing Jordan Peterson or, or what he has to say yeah because it further reinforces that kind of just divide. Yeah. I if think someone has some interesting ideas on one thing, but some damaging ideas on another, what does that mean? Does that mean everything they say? Yeah. Do you put this, this thing of like, put them in the bin. I hate that Yeah, well, so everything, much. It, well, the, uh, you know, problematic. You know, and I say this in my show, it's like all humans are because we're flawed. You know, no one is perfect. Everyone has a blind spot, right? Yeah we see that within stand-up comedy loads you can see someone you go oh my god they're so astute on like race but they hate women or you know like like it's i think i know the guy you're talking about guys plural or you know or or this person does so much great stuff on like you know being working class and but they hate women it always seems to come back to they hate women uh but you know like th that is do we then wholesale dismiss them how damaging are ideas you know this is part of like a bigger broader yeah but i think with someone like good things they say just sugarcoating for a worse thing yeah yeah uh, like should we dismiss them out of hand because they have some terrible ideas or should we take on board the good things that they say i really don't know what the answer is well at the um oslo freedom forum which is interesting there was a press conference the first day and gary kasparov who's who's the chess MTV, man chess man chess yeah a goat chess goat sort of said, um, and it was him who asked me to do the festival sort of out of nowhere. I've never met him. Obviously, he's a great fan of my work. Uh, no, <laughs> I don't know. It's one of those things where you go, oh, Gary Kasparov's asked. I'll say yes. Yes. Um, so someone had brought up Trump and he got really annoyed and was like, you know, Trump is not a dictator. This is what we're talking about. I'm, you know, we can't get rid of Putin. If we want to get rid of Putin, it's not the same. It's not comparable. And then you sort of go, he's like, he's democratically elected. And you go, well, not according... <laughs> Well, no, it, it was he, according to some sources, maybe your president had something to do with it. You know, uh, if if there was interference with the election, was he democratically elected? Yeah. And also, you know, Hillary won the popular vote. You know, what's what's fair? What's democrat? What also, you know, Hitler was democratically elected. <laughs> as we've yeah. discussed that that didn't really end well, did it? So. So it's that kind of thing of kind of going, well, you can't talk about that. You know, it's a you can't what aboutism or, yeah. you know. Well, on this undecided it's note, I think what we have to... It's um, Is it? I don't know. It's sort of Syria. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't got time to go into that. We haven't got time to go into this. I'll have you back on as soon as possible to finish this conversation because we're in a, a situation of deep uncertainty, which I'm enjoying. Uh, we have to go off and do our show for the evening. Um where can people find you online, Tiff? Uh, at Tiff Stevenson. You know, find me and tweet me to tell me how truly idiotic my articles are. Or well, don't read that and see it for what it is and go, oh, that's an interesting discussion about consent. <laughs> to be added into the package of consent they will teach in schools along with the other two podcasts we did on consent. Oh, man, we need to be required reading, I reckon. Yeah, well, we've had a lot of guys kind of go, this has been really useful. Yeah, I had a really nice email from someone who said, I'm going to give this to my sons when they get to the right age. I was like, well, maybe the landscape will have changed by then, but thank you. It's a real compliment. Yeah, we'll be on Mount Rushmore by then, won't we? <laughs> <laughs> and you'll have perfect teeth. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much, Tiff. Thank you.
Oh, do you know, oh, do you not, this dolphin mistress that we have got? Elsie Thompson, it is her name, and she helps the dolphins hide every frame. Lousy rifle doll, lousy rifle day. On Monday morning, when she comes in, she hangs her coat on the highest pin. Turns around for to view her frames, crying, damn you, doffers, cry up your ends. Lousy rifle doll, lousy rifle day. And when the boss, he looks round the door, tie our ends up, doffers, he will roar. Well, tie our ends up, we surely do, for Elsie Thompson, but not for you. Lousy rifle doll, lousy rifle day. Oh, Elsie Thompson is going away. Is it tomorrow or yet today? We'll tie our ends up and leave our frames and wait for Elsie to return again. Lolly rifle doll, lolly rifle day.